Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. I want to, I want to um, give some tips to people. So you're a realtor. So the first thing is like when you're showing people properties and things of that nature, right? We always hear about like good neighborhoods, bad neighborhoods. Like what makes a neighborhood, quote unquote, a good neighborhood? Like for people that's looking to buy a home. And they always say the school system. But like what else? Well, I'm looking at the numbers. So I'm a, I'm a numbers person. So if you're interested in a certain area, I'm going to run the market stats. I'm looking into curved Atlanta. I'm looking at the developments that take place. So I have like a little spreadsheet. I start developing on zip codes and keeping up. So if the appreciation values are going up year over year, that's a good thing. If they're going down year over year, that's something I, I want to talk to you about. So that doesn't make a great neighborhood if the appreciation values are on the negative and not in the positive. So people start focusing on the schools where you need to be looking at the values or the values going up or down. That's number one, that what makes a great neighborhood. Um, I feel like the second part what makes a great neighborhood is what's important to the client. There are some people that they wanna be in a live work space. They wanna have some place that they can walk outside and happy hour and all that. Then we need to find out if that's a good neighborhood for you. And then you have other people, I wanna walk nature trails, you know, I wanna be mm -hmm. in those types of areas. So. It's, it's not general, it's client specific, but generally speaking, everybody should be worried about appreciation values and school systems because the, both of those go hand in hand when it's time for you to sell your property because every property is a profit. Mm -hmm. Now you should look at your house as a bank. 
You're trying to make money when you sell this house. So what, that, what, we say Curb Atlanta? Curb Atlanta. What's, yeah. what's that? And so it's a, it's a basically, it's a online magazine that you can use to look at different developments in different neighborhoods mm. and what's up and coming. So I was just looking up um, a project for in, in College Park. My clients are looking to get a property in College Park and they have this big $6.5 billion project that's coming down there where they're making a mixed use space mm -hmm. down in that area. And the reason for that, even though it's part of Fulton County, that area has been economically challenged for so long. Now they're going to bring in because the average median income that a person was making down there is like 29,000 a year. But the regular people up here in Atlanta on the north side of Fulton County is 65,000. Mm. So they have an initiative to make that better. And they're calling it Airport City because it's literally by the airport. I just, so, I just saw that y'all got a G League team coming to California. Oh, yeah, exactly. So you got I keep up with what's going on in our city. That's it. I can tell you that if you were looking to invest, maybe you want to look over here because now the prices are low, but they won't stay low when the project comes up. Is it, did that that website also shows the appreciation values? No, no, that's okay. that's on the back end. That's okay. you got to do some work for that. That's okay, a, that's okay. the agent thing. You know, okay. you're gonna have to log into your your MLS mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to run some stats. Okay, you gotta so run some a reports. regular person can't it's not public be able to see that. No. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Is there any way a regular person can see if appreciation values are going up? You can up? see something because you know what? A lot of our stats now, even though they're a little skewed, I hate, I hate, I hate Zillow. Let me say that. <laughs> I hate Zillow. Nah, I don't want Zillow to told me that. my house is worth eight hundred thousand. <laughs> right. <laughs> the owner of Zillow, you know, he even sold his house for less than the house he said his own house was worth. But you can use site like sites like that to get a general idea of what's going on in the market mm -hmm. because it'll if you scroll down it'll talk about values and recent souls so that'll give you help if you don't you like necessarily want to jump out the window with the realtor you can at least see what's going on there so when you're showing a house right staging a house what's that process like are, are, are you or your company putting the items the furniture every the decor into the house like how's that work? well you, well okay i have what's called the friendly little um a friendly little um, staging. So I have like a couple of items I keep in the storage room. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, you ain't, if you ain't really got the budget or if we just need a, a few things like a pillow or something like that, a plant, yeah. you know, I, I go over there, I put that in, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's nothing. Cause I'm a, you know, when the house sells, it makes it better. Other than that, if it's like a full staging project, it depends. We have so many ways we can do. We got virtual staging, got a company can just basically virtually stage the whole house. I mean, in person it's going to be empty. But those pictures, you're going to show up, you know? <laughs> then you also have companies that you can hire to come in and stage the properties for you, yeah. which is what I do for people that's like, listen, you need to stage this prop property to sell it. Okay. Yeah. So as far as, like, school system, because that's a big one, how do you know, like, it, it was, like, the schools, like, four-star, it's, like, ratings? Like, what's, oh, yeah. what, what, yeah. like, what do you look at, like, to see the so schools? To, you can see it everywhere, but I like to go to greatschools.org. Greatschools.org. Yeah. So that good website side. is good side. Um, I like the site because it tells you a lot about the neighborhood in the area because, you know, due to fair housing, we can't say certain things to our clients. But when you go to, to greatschools.org, not only does it tell you the star of the school, mm -hmm. but it also tells you the demographics of the students and it tells you each category. So science, they're growing, fail, uh, you know, they're low in math, so yeah. it's categorized. So if you're looking at demographics of the students, then you know the demographics of the parents. Yeah, and then uh, parents can write reviews and everything exactly. about the school district. They write reviews about the school, so it helps. I tell people to use greatschools.org to yeah. find out about the Once school. Once upon a time, I, I, exactly. there was a review written about me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were a teacher? I am. I oh, am. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know about that side. I do. Good All right. Yeah, good side. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's definitely a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> um, so how important is comps? That's like the most important thing. Absolutely, you gotta have comps, and you have to search for comps. So I was—I'm so obsessed with comps. I took an appraisal class at the beginning of this year 
Oh, maybe it was the end of last year. I don't know. Everything's running together. But I, <laughs> oh, I, I really, <laughs> I really wanted to know, like, how are these appraisals coming up with these numbers? Because they're disputing me. If I'm on the selling side, yeah. it's like, wait a minute. I know this house is worth this. Like, how are you guys coming up with this? So comps are important because appraisals have to happen for people to get the houses financed. Can, and if it comes in below value, it's an issue. We, I had a very, very uh, unfortunate situation when it came to appraisals. What, where I didn't even know there was a class. So where can somebody take the class? And are you noticing there's more people that look like us taking these classes? Because that is the part of the, the, the home buying process that can make or break things. The class I was in, it was just me and one, um, it was three of us <laughs> okay. in there. <laughs> it was only three of us. It was eight o'clock in the morning. You had to drive like an hour and a half outside the city to get there. It was only three of us there. But I took the class and there's a few things I learned about these appraisals. Mm -hmm. First of all, they just, they, they, they can get their license the same way rules to get their license. It's low barriers to entry. They're human too. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you got to walk through them. You know, you, if they're not really an experienced appraiser, yeah. I learned from my listings go ahead and put my comps on the kitchen table. I'm trying to meet them at the house. I'm trying to explain to them at the moment what how I came up with my comps and why they should use mine. Because okay. by the time they write it on the report, is even though you can dispute it, they never get changed. I know, yeah, because that's, so, that's important. Because what he's referring to is, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, the Bookings Agency Institute did a report last year and they said that um, black homes were undervalued by $156 billion. Did you know about that? Yeah. So, and we did a, we did a whole thing on the podcast about it. And Troy actually, um, it happened to Troy. His, yeah. his house got crazy. like it's devalued crazy. by like $60,000. It happens a lot. Uh, yeah, 100000 100, yeah, compared to his neighbors with like same type of houses. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's called redlining. You know, it's, yeah. let's, let's not act like it doesn't happen. I, but I'm, I, I'm honestly speaking, I tell my clients to take all those personal pictures out the house. You don't know. You're, my clients are ambiguous when you walk in there. You don't know who owns this house, mm -hmm. what they look like. I do it on purpose. I tell them take them out. Like, don't even hide them in the closet. Take them out the house. Put them in somebody else's house. Put them in your trunk. You don't, because people are, it's, it, it, this it's is human society. nature. It's a dirty human game. Nature. It's a dirty game. Even, it's a dirty even, game. If it's, even if it's subtle. If it's subtle. It, it's yeah. like they could still have a, a, a hidden, yeah. you know, objective. It's a objective. hidden yeah. a hidden objective. But if there's more people on the side of, you know, the, the people who are actually from our communities actually doing these appraisals, then we we may have a, a fair chance. We'll have may. a fair chance yeah. because we're, we know what to fight for, right. you know, and we know what makes sense. You can fight, you could successfully fight an appraisal. It may delay your, your closing, but if you, you have the comps and you can run down the numbers and you can show, you can fight an appraisal. You just need someone to do it for you. Okay. You need so, to have them look at that. So how, how do you fight? How do you fight the appraisal? The number one thing is you're going to have, like, I've done a few title, like a few appraisal fights. Mm -hmm. One, you need to make sure that you're comparing apples to oranges. So you got to break down the comps when it comes to the upgrades in the house that stuff counts mm -hmm. looking at the square footage that counts and sometimes they'll leave off a good chunk of your square footage so maybe you want to hire your own company to come in and measure the square footage of your house that's the number one mistake that mm. people actually look over you i had one house they was missing a whole 900 square feet of course yeah. you they, they, that actually, that's exactly what happened they said that <laughs> See? and and try he knows for sure like the lower level of my house, they didn't count. Exactly, they do that often. At all, like, and we have like a gym down there, a whole another like almost apartment. A yeah, a window, bathroom. Now, like, you know how you, as long as you got a window, door, extra door, it's, a, it's counted as a finished space. See, they're still counting it as an unfinished space right. because the tax records had it as unfinished probably before you finished out that bottom. Yeah. And so this a lot of times, like I said, you gotta fight that. Like, no, this is my square footage. This is how I had a company come out and measure yeah. and I'm going to pass this up. So you ha you can dispute that. 
Thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and and can you like complain about an appraiser? Like, is there like a complaint Absolutely, board? Absolutely, because they all appraisers work for work for a company. So right. when you look at the very bottom when they sign off, there's a company name there. Get in get in touch with the person that's a char in charge. Yeah, I still have his Don't, name written down. Yeah, you can't <laughs> you can't just go by the person that comes out and appraise. Like they're working for a major company, mm-hmm. but the company that they work for, then you need to send them your grievances and your evidence and go from there. It happened at DL Hughley. Um, yep. Oh yeah, yep. I saw yep. that. Yep. I saw yep. that. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. And it was like um, he got his house to pray, and it was so low that the bank actually called him and thought that he had like damage done to exactly. it. Exactly. And so it was just such an egregious situation and obviously he's famous so that helped probably too the bank actually reversed it and they apologized but they was like he was like it was it was so low compared to his neighbors they thought it was like damaged Mm -mm. but that it still happens and that's why i think that we have to be very careful when you're working with people and you know know your stuff if you're a homeowner you need to know you need to have documentation of upgrades you've done in your house keep up with that you need to have documentation of your square footage anything that you've done in your property you need to keep up with that and keep it we're so lax a days ago until we need it mm. then when you're in a position where you want to sell and you come in under value you can't even keep find the documents to prove it one time i fought a little appraisal by actually having every single receipt that my client used to upgrade their kitchen. Mm-hmm. I put all that in a, in a big package. I wrote it out. I wrote out what this would be, how this, how these comparis, comparing properties sold with these upgraded kitchens, and we got the house up $10,000, and they were trying to bring us down. Like We still didn't hit the number I wanted, yeah. but we still got 10000 back credit. So you can fight this stuff. You just got to know. So what makes a house more desirable? Because they always say, like, the kitchen... It's like yes. something <laughs> yeah. that's Back like a rooms. big item. Like what? Yeah, yeah. You as a realtor, what would you suggest people that are looking to sell their home or even buy a home? Like what? what's the desirable things that people can do to add value to their homes? Well, I think general maintenance. I find a lot of times when people are ready to sell their house, they got in the house. House ain't been pressure washed, washed since 06. You know, and you pressure washing, you can tell it's deferred maintenance on the property. So you need to get that stuff done if you want to sell for top dollar. Yeah. If you have a kitchen, and we know how those kitchens look back in the day, <laughs> but it was the walnut color cabinet, <laughs> and every and you walked in the house, it was like burgundy walls, and yeah. the other room was yellow. Yeah. I'm gonna need you to get agreeable gray yeah. here ASAP. If you like you my, <laughs> my grand, my old grandmother. Yeah. yeah if so, your fridge is white, if yeah. Your stove. <laughs> if your refrigerator is still white, but your stove is black because you replaced the stove with it broke, but your refrigerator is still kicking, these certain things you're gonna need to do so you need to be prepared to just have general maintenance unless you're trying to sell it below value if you want to sell for top dollar you need to present a product like that the kitchen counts um the general maintenance of the property is yeah. what is really important to a lot of people yeah one thing that they um looked at and they took into account was the roof roof is important too. oh yeah roof huge. is huge yeah i mean if you're a homeowner you need to be calling your home you need to call your little insurance company anyway yeah. was there some hell here you yeah. better watch the news <laughs> <laughs> So, but, 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 but it's kind of tricky because it's like, if you're trying to sell a home, at what point do you do too much renovation and it's like not really worth it? Oh, that's when you start looking at the comp. So I tell people all the time, there is a certain cat in your neighborhood. So don't go put in marble floors in a $200,000 house. You're not going to get your money back. Right. You know, you have to be very careful about that. So when you're looking at comps, look at the photos of what recently sold too. Look at, and then get a good idea of your area and your demographic. If you got a half million dollar house, don't use that sticker backsplash that you can get from Home Depot. I'm going to get some real tile back there. Yeah, but if you're selling a $160,000 house, you can throw the sticker up there. Yeah. We, you got to know. We spoke about that on, on the episode <laughs> with Matt when we, we were talking about 50 Cent. Uh, he put this 
multi-million dollar home renovations in it in a neighborhood that the average house is like 300,000. It makes no sense. It's <laughs> white, never gonna white happen. Elephant. Yeah, <laughs> white it's elephant. It's a white elephant. And you're never gonna, first of all, an appraisal ain't gonna be able, they're not gonna be able to comp that. Like what? Why would you, like no. You gotta stay in line with the neighborhood. So you wanna stay in line? You yeah. wanna stay in line. You can do a little don't something do extra, much. but don't expect to get your money out of it if you take it too far. Don't go, that's, that's important yeah. people yeah. to know. Cause a lot of times people wanna just do crazy things and put no. the jacuzzi in the, with the grotto. Uh-uh, you, you do that. <laughs> you do that if you want that. But got the movie theater. <laughs> you got a whole movie theater. Yeah. And it might have cost you all this money, but you ain't getting it back. Stroh lights and yeah. everything. Heated pool. Shout out to 50, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's so it's so so when 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 <laughs> somebody's selling a house, what what are some of the fees, right? If, like I think people don't really understand that. What are some oh. of the fees that come along with selling a house? When you're selling your property, you're paying to sell your property. So there's a lot of fees that can come along with that. So you have the of course general maintenance, getting the house ready to go on market, mm-hmm. but you pay the agent. You pay us. Who who you think pay us? The buyers? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you pay for the you pay the buyer's agent and the selling agent. So you have those expenses. And then the only other expense that you have is like your prorated taxes. And if you have a homeowners association, you're gonna have to get the clear HOA letter. So your 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 fees are minimal. Yeah. But the biggest fee you pay is your realtor. What about is that the closing cost as well? Because I see it's like tricky. Sometimes a buyer has it, sometimes a seller does it. Well, How does that no, work? Well, this is this is the thing. The buyer can negotiate closing costs. Mm-hmm. You look at the market, you look at the area. You need to, when you're pricing the property, you need to look at also I I personally, I look at what's been going on in the area, the recent sales, and on average, what are the sellers contributing? Because my biggest thing is I don't want you to set the expectation that nobody's contributing anything and you don't have to when the whole area everybody's in contribute ten thousand dollars on the mm. on the average. Okay. They don't have to contribute. Yeah. If you get like an FHA loan, they can contribute up to six percent. They can do three percent on a conventional loan, but they don't have to contribute anything because that's their profit. Mm. So if you get enough demand for the property, which is you know my thing is getting multiple offers, creating a bidding war, and like hey somebody not gonna need the money or you need a thousand dollars, boom, I'm taking that offer before I take somebody to need ten thousand. Okay. How do you negotiate like? Okay, you can negotiate closing costs, but like, what's the lower you, the lowest you can go on that? Zero. I have sold houses where my sellers have sold, have contributed no dollars to the closing costs. Find your own money. Really? Yes. Mm. I tell buyers that all the time. Like, you're not entitled to the profit from the seller. The seller has their own expenses. They're paying these realtors fees, sometimes 7% realtor fees yeah. that they have to pay just to even get their property sold. They don't necessarily have to. It depends on the area, the, de- the demand that you create by staging the property, getting the property prepared for marketing, pricing it correctly, and having an agent like me, you know, <laughs> you may not have to, you may so, not have to pay. So it. has anybody tried to negotiate, do you negotiate your fees? No. Non-negotiable. I, not playing that game. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I tell people. That my, That's my, the number, my, y'all. That is the number. My favorite, my favorite line is, if you want me to negotiate my fees, can I negotiate my service? Mm-hmm. Like as long that. as long as you want me, to, as long as I can negotiate my service, we can do this. I like that. You so, know? so that's the seller's fees now. The commissions fee is there a standard commission fee for realtors? Yeah, it's, and it's it's subjective: seven percent, six percent, seven percent. Okay. And so that's about the fee of it. The whole, the total price of the property times seven percent. Yeah. Okay. Because that's like these million dollar listings. Like that. You ever oh, watch that show? Pay? Oh, police! Yeah, yeah I that show. That's because yeah, I, I think that's like what people really like are attracted. That's what you want. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. what you want. Because I mean, then you still split the money. You know, you got the selling side and the buyer side. The way for you to really come in, so you li- like I list the property. Yeah. 
So I get my 6% commission if I bring a buyer and I'm representing the seller. Because in our state, we can do dual agency. I was going to ask you Represent that. both. Yeah. But if you bring the buyer, then I got to give you half of that. So I get my three, three. you get three. Okay. So you can, you, it's not a conflict of interest to represent both? Depends. It can be a conflict of interest. One person becomes a client, the other person is a customer. It's the only way you're able to do it. It really, you have to walk a fine line because really, generally speaking, then you're just there as uh, to consult and write paperwork. You really can't negotiate for e either party. I've done a couple of dual agencies with like investors or people that really know what they want. It's real hard to do dual agency with a first-time buyer. I'm gonna tell you that now. It's as a matter of fact, if I get a first-time buyer, I'd rather refer them to a, uh, like a person with my team before I before I try to negotiate because I'm going I'm fighting hard for my seller to keep their money. You a buyer, you fighting hard to get money. How are we going to make this work? Hmm. You know, especially a first time buyer. Now an investor, they're different. They know what they want. They're good. You know. Yeah. So let me. You, I was, so you you deal with luxury homes, right? Yeah. And over the course of maybe a couple of years, you've seen the the median home go from two hundred and seventy five thousand. You said yes. To now three twenty five in Atlanta. Yes. What are some of the factors that have led to that? And what have you noticed with the buyers? What what demographic is doing the buying? Well, predominantly my clients are all African American. Okay. So it's us. We are making some moves here, and the what has, what's the driving force is Atlanta is growing. Now people can say what they want about Mayor Kasim Reed, and when he tore down all them churches and built that oh <laughs> built the dome, <laughs> tore down them historical churches. But at the end of the day, when he made that move and they built the Mercedes uh, Mercedes Benz dome, and they mm -hmm. kind of created State Farm Arena, and they redid that. Yeah. It created more opportunity for us. Now we have more opportunities. We have soccer games here. We have so much that's going Champions. on. Champions. Champions. Championships. Yeah, champions. So all these things. So we start with sports, and then we just, now let's go out. Now you got people like Tyler Perry telling people to come down here and build their own tables in Atlanta. You have The Rock that just bought a $9 million house here. You got Cardi B that just bought her house here. Yeah. What is happening here is people are seeing that there is wealth here. And the good thing is that's the driving that's how prices go up. We're creating our own black Mecca. Yeah. We're becoming the black Hollywood that they said we were going to be. When I first moved here, they was talking about the Beltline. When I first moved here, they were saying that we're going to be the next black Hollywood. I see it actually happening now. And that was from 06. Speaking of Atlanta, speaking of the Beltline, and um, I saw a little baby on the Breakfast Club talking about, um, I guess he's from the west side of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And he was saying project. that his, his, his neighborhood, the prices is going up. Oh, because yeah. of the belt line. Can you talk about that? You say he's a big client of yours? No, no, no. He's, uh -oh. no this, this, oh. a, this is a big project. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the belt line is just basically a belt line connecting the entire city of Atlanta. People only think about the belt line being at the bottom, but it actually goes all the way around. And so what it does is really to help us, one, with traffic so you can get on and off the trolleys. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, you have like parks and all these things that are connected. So we're really trying to build our own communities within a community. So they do yoga in the park. You can now bike the belt line down in South Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So they're creating these opportunities so we can be more like New York, you know, how y'all got <laughs> what you guys have. So we're trying to create that and there's restaurants and there's like live work spaces. So you're really trying to create that environment because now everybody is, you know, no longer has the aspiration to get the big house in the suburb. People now want to be close to the city. Mm -hmm. They're sacrificing space for that and they want to enjoy them li their lives. That's the millennials, they want it right now. They want to walk outside right now. They want to go on the trolley and get to where they need to go right now. So that's the big part of the belt line. So Atlanta, specifically since we're in Atlanta, um, yeah. like what's the hot area that, because uh, it's the west side, that's like when Mercedes-Benz Stadium is on the west side, right? Yes. That That's like the hottest area in Atlanta right now for real estate? Um, It's a lot of hot areas. If I had to choose one, like that had the most appreciation value, 
just just based on the numbers. Oh, yeah, I yeah. was running them the other day. They up twenty one percent. Is the city of Decatur? Decatur. Yeah, the city of Decatur mm. is up twenty one percent on appreciation values. The last time I checked on the West Side, they're only up. They're up twelve percent, which is still good. East Atlanta is hot, but mm. they're up eight percent because East Atlanta is actually taking a little while longer to get through the process and gentrify than other areas. Where we in East Atlanta right now? Right? Yes, you are. Okay. Uh-huh. East Atlanta Center. 30316. <laughs> so 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- this area is growing. If I could tell anybody about zip code 30316-30032, 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- 30- that's the city of Decatur, and then 30318, that's the hot area on the west side. So these areas are hot. When's yeah. the best? Is there a best time, a more ideal time to get in into a deal? I tell people, if you're looking to buy and you want a really good deal, yeah. shop in the winter months. Winter? Why? Because... Yeah. Mm. If, if a person is selling their houses around Christmas, they want to sell. They're desperate. Uh. You get a better deal. I got, I, I literally, I, I onboarded so many clients around Christmas. I, that's why I didn't realize what year it was. But we, got <laughs> all, we all got crazy. They got crazy deals. The builders is throwing money at you because they don't want to start the year in the red. Yeah. So if you buying a property, buy it in the winter months. By the time you get to spring, two things happen. That's what I always hear. Parents buy spring, buy spring. want to sell and buy in spring because so because they want to hurry up and do this before they get out of school, do mm-hmm. the transition. You have a lot of competition. Everybody's shopping in the spring. Prices are up in the spring. Mm. So from a buyer standpoint, you don't want to be out here when it's like 10, 15 people to one house, multiple mm. office situations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.